As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. If you know, then you know it's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads, working all Big Jed, summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? <laughs> Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? Well, not so much, Luke. Well, if you change your mind, you're in luck. Our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes, you guessed it, the Lawnmower 4.0. That's right, the 4.0. Complement your summer bod with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. Yeah, Luke, the, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer that will change the way you approach your grooming routine. Okay. Uh, and that needs changing because I can tell got, you on my end. Yeah. That needs changing. Yeah, <laughs> Nobody's got products this good. So the lawnmower 4.0 will change that for you. You know, it's the fourth generation trimmer and it features the advanced skin safe technology to reduce grooming accidents. You know, you don't want, ingrown hairs or snags on your boys before beach season i mean who who would want that that would be a terrible thing to happen now the lawnmower 4.0 has a 7000 rpm motor i mean i shift big red about 72 75 so 7000 rpm is in my comfort zone i love it and the, the, the lawnmower 4.0 will zing it up there really good like coming out of the water box on the rug and it's got an on-off travel lock it gives you the ability to turn the, the 4,000 K LED spotlight on and off. So, you know, when you go into Bat Cave, you can really get a look at what's out there in front of you and, and not uh, get any surprises. So, you know, you need the lawnmower 4.0. Let's just make it that simple. You know, if the power grid goes out in Texas again, and that's bound to happen at some point, you can use your lawnmower 4.0 to illuminate the way that that you're traveling so to speak uh, the led spotlight's incredible it gives you a great view of the terrain if you will that that you're on so 
this is a great product and everybody needs it. Luke. You know, the sun's shining and it's calling your name, fellas. So join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer like I'm getting ready for by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping just simply by using the promo code JED. That's J-E-D. And you put that in, you get 20% off the product and free shipping. Go do yourself a favor or do the man in your life a favor by getting them the Lawnmower 4.0 today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's cool hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss drag racers, Olympic athletes, and adult film stars. Big Jed, how are you? Luke, I am well. <laughs> great, uh, great description of our show, because we do discuss that sometimes, but... Uh, all good, man. Uh, really, really looking forward to um, vacationing with you. We'll we'll talk about that on the show a little bit <laughs> about later. About that, but, yes. Um, I, I don't. I, I say that, kid, and you have to listen to the show to understand it. But uh, shouts to Lulu's. Yes, shouts to Lulu's. So looking forward to that, uh, and I'm going to do just a little bit of racing this weekend. I'm excited about that. I hadn't got on the track in uh, in a few weeks, so going to make a few laps at uh, Etheridge Motorsports Park in uh, Lynchburg or excuse me Lawrenceburg Tennessee <laughs> we know what's in Lynchburg I don't I don't go there my apologies not far from Lawrenceburg yeah but uh, looking forward to the show uh, uh, somewhat of a, a somber beginning uh, things that we hate having to discuss but we'll discuss it nonetheless and uh, then we're going to have a really good show with a, a very uh, diverse a group of uh, races and racers to talk about i'm not going racing this weekend big jed and i'm looking forward to that um yes we do we have a uh, we have a good show on tap big show on tap we have three individual performers on the bracket scene that we're going to focus on because they deserve our attention uh i'm fired up about the points chase in one specific nhra category Actually, two complimenters getting interesting too. Uh, we've got a young man's prime to win the most lucrative division championship in history, and he's doing it in a division that he resides like 2,000 miles from. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit Eastern Conference Finals, Junior Dragster talk here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, and Big Jed. I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but there are multiple times in this episode where we paint ourselves in a pretty positive light. We, 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 we break, I broke my back a couple of times in this episode to pat myself on the back. So if you're into that, what did you call it? Braggadocia? Braggadocious. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, you're, you're discussing facts, Luke. It's not, uh, you're not, you're not saying, Hey, I'm the greatest at this. Or I'm the best at that. But Check you're discussing. You're discussing facts that actually happened. So I don't, I don't Check think the that's tape. Check the tape. We, we did it. We said it. Yeah, it's there. You did it. It's the real deal. All right. All that and much more. But first. E.J. North. It's all about no guarantees, but not in this race. And as we've seen from the SFG to the spring fling, folk promotions to the come 
Big Jed, we begin with news that is never fun to talk about, never fun to share. Um, and it just seems like in this season, in this year, uh, the hits just keep coming for sportsman drag racing. We have under a trio of uh, of racers that have passed away since the last time that we recorded. Uh, I think it's only fair to, to begin the show um, with that. Yeah, Luke, uh, you know, these these beginnings are getting old. Um, you know, we we just are losing some wonderful, wonderful people, first and foremost. And then, you know, what they meant to the racing community is is even more impactful to guys like you and I and the people that are listening to this show. Uh, obviously, we've discussed at length uh, Diane O'Neill and, and Mindy Burrow and Kyle Seipel and Kenny Dixon and so on. But uh, here in just the last week or so, uh, we've lost Mike Crick. Uh, Mike, the, the father of Bethany Crick, or now Bethany Cadle, father-in-law Chris Cadle, uh, Sandy is the, the wonderful, uh, significant other, uh, just a, a great family. Mopar lovers, just uh, known for having really fast Mopars and smiles on their face at all times. Um, and we lost Mike to, uh, to his battle with cancer. Uh, Landry Four is a young man from South Mississippi. Um, probably people will know him best as a design precast pipe entry. Um, he, he, he ran that for quite some time on the big money bracket scene. His father, Pat, uh, you know, those guys are uh, staples at the big money bracket races probably 10 plus years ago, Luke. Uh, not so much in the last several years but uh landry known as a as a tremendous racer and his father just a, a wonderful man has done a lot for racing and here now in the last 48 hours uh, we've lost cole cousins uh, cole a, a tremendous bracket racer from central alabama uh, very well known in these parts cole did not get out a ton way outside of his uh, general geographic area but man when he did he he made noise and he let folks know he was there uh, has won an absolute ton in these parts and just a, a wonderful man a wonderful father and husband and son and a guy that was a, a you know a very feared competitor in the other lane um three great people great men that uh, impacted a lot of lives and they're all gone way too soon Luke just a somber way to start the show for sure but uh, those guys I had a lot of good times with all of them and I personally will lean on that uh, as I reflect back on the the time that I was able to spend with them uh, at the races and, and some of them outside of the races but terrible losses for uh, humanity and certainly the racing community no question that's well said jed i i know uh landry four and, and and cole cousins obviously i knew them uh in passing to some extent they're a little bit more in your area um i'll, I'll speak a little bit to the loss to mike creek really hit me hard and again it was probably 
um, the 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 least unexpected of the of the three, but it doesn't get any easier. Like Mike's just a guy that I don't know, man. They, I had so much respect for him as a racer, as a businessman, um, as a father. Like he's just gonna be so dearly missed. I don't know how else to to put this into words, and it just. You hate to to lump any of this together because obviously, any time that uh, someone that we passes, it's a very specific hurt, right? Um, but man, the, just as a as a whole, the racing community, like the compound effect of this, is it just seems to get worse by the day. You know, I mean, you talked about Diane and Mindy Burrow, and obviously Kyle Seipel and Kenny Dixon, and now Mike and Landry and Cole and. I was I was having this discussion with my wife the other day, Jed. Like, is is this just part of getting older? Like, I fear that as the years pass on, just more and more people around me are going to pass away. If I'm fortunate enough to stick around, like, is that just part of getting older, or is it feels like these last few months have been a really really rough few months? Like, tell me this is not the new normal as I as I go into my forties, Jed. <laughs> no, Luke, I, I would say it is somewhat of a product of getting older. Uh, no doubt about that, that, uh, you know, the older you get, the the more uh, people in your circle uh, seem to, to leave us. But, you know, this is uh, obviously social media and us uh, being aware of these things basically instantly now to where you had to hear this through the grapevine and uh, maybe the next time you showed up at a race and you ask where so-and-so was way back in the day and they said, well, unfortunately, they're not with us. But, you know, in this day and age of social media and uh, certainly uh, a guy like you and fortunately a guy like me and many, many others have a very large circle of what we call friends due to the the, the travels that we've done and the, the events that we participated in and Anytime your circle is as large as what uh, we are able to, to have, then these things are going to be more and more common for us. And it's very unfortunate, but uh, at the same time, I think that uh, I, I will be happy with knowing that uh, each one of these people had some kind of impact on my life and, you know, that I shared some time with them while they were doing what they absolutely loved to do, which was their happy place and my happy place. So uh, while the loss definitely stings, the losses sting, um, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, I, I get to feel this loss, for lack of a better way of putting it, because of the impact that each one of these folks had on my life and the time I got to spend with them. And um, you know, they were they were all great people and certainly left us way before their perceived time was up. But um, each one of these people left behind a, a great legacy and certainly a lot of very, very happy memories in my mind. Rest in peace, Mike, Landry, Cole. Uh, you will be missed here on Earth. Big Jed, uh Greener pastures, happier subjects. It's not often that we lead the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast with junior dragster talk, but the Eastern Conference Finals 
the, one of the two biggest events of the season, uh, concluded last week out at uh, Bristol, a place near and dear to your heart. And I think it's fair to say that the biggest story, perhaps in all of drag racing right now, is an eight-year-old from Oklahoma. Yeah, Luke, um, you know, as we, we started the show in a way that we definitely dislike a lot, um, this is one of the things that we do like, the future of our sport competing on their highest level at the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, just really cool to see that event, what it means to so many families. And, you know, whether you're from the West Coast or the East Coast, there's a lot of travel involved and these kids come out to Bristol from faraway places. And, <laughs> I, you know, their youth tells me that they don't even realize, Luke, how wonderful times are for them and how blessed they are to get to come out and compete. And then you get a, a young man like Camden Teal, um, as our research has shown, it's an eight-year-old fella from Oklahoma, came out to Bristol and made a clean sweep of the 2021 conference finals in the six to nine age group there in Bristol. Uh, just a, a, a tremendous feat on his part. And then, you know, he added uh, the Eastern Conference Finals Wally to the one he won at the Western Conference Finals in June. Luke, they were back to back months from the <laughs> West Coast to the East Coast. Now, where the West Coast uh, is, where they do that? Topeka now? Tulsa. Tulsa. That's right. Mm -hmm. Tulsa. Yeah. So they do that in Tulsa. And then he does, wins it all in June and comes out to Bristol and wins it all in July on the Eastern Conference. I mean, this kid, obviously very talented, uh, a tremendous understanding for what he's trying to accomplish on the racetrack, doing that at eight years old. But my goodness, uh, he, he, there's no way he understands what he's just accomplished. Later. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. And just to put this in per into perspective for our, our listeners who may not be familiar, uh, the, the Eastern and Western Conference Finals are essentially the junior dragster version of the Summit ET Finals times like five because there's only two of them, right? So it's basically all the Western Conference tracks converge on Tulsa, all of the Eastern Conference tracks converge on Bristol, and obviously if you have the opportunity to qualify on, on multiple teams, you could go to multiple events, and there are a handful of racers that do that. Uh, I, and there are a handful of racers that have won both conference finals. I don't know that it's ever been done in the same year. I don't know that it hasn't. I'm pretty confident in saying that it's never been done in the six to nine-year-old class in the same season and that's exactly what Camden Teal did pretty impressive stuff I mean that's the mecca of forget junior dragster racing like those are the two biggest events of the year it doesn't get any better than that and young Mr. Teal has I would assume seven to eight more years of junior dragster racing like I don't know where you go from here Camden but it's really impressive what you've done so far very impressive Luke and Certainly, uh, we'll, we'll look for big things out of Camden in the future. Um, but this, this seems like the kind of kid that, uh, that might get out a little quicker than the age out process, uh, causes. So be interesting to see what Camden does in the future, but if he never does another thing on the racetrack, he has done something extremely special there. So congratulations to the Teal family. I know Camden uh, is, is the driver there, but there's obviously a lot of uh, effort and support 
around him, moving him all around the country, racing junior dragsters at conference finals. So congratulations to the entire TL family. Uh, Luke, uh, Camden, while the biggest winner was not the only winner, uh, there were quite a few more winners there and the uh, junior dragsters at Bristol Dragway. And apparently if your name was Ava or Gage, things went really well for you. And the uh, 10-year-old category, Ava Smith got the win. In the 11-year-old category, Ava Ward got the win. For 12-year-olds, Morgan Harp was your champion. For 13-year-olds, Philip Radford was the winner. Gage Wilson won the 14-year-old category. Ian Burt won the 15-year-old category. And a young man that really makes a lot of noise in junior dragster racing, not that the rest of them don't, but Gage Rackford. Uh, won the 16, 17 year old category and gauge is, uh, you know, there's been a gauge uh, that dominated junior dragster racing for quite a few years. It's moved on, but there's a new gauge in town and gauge Rackford is a young man that just tears it up, turns on a lot of wind lights. So congratulations to all of those winners and congratulations to Atlanta dragway, a track that is, uh, is being, um, put by the wayside for different activities at that location. There will be no more drag racing there after I guess the season is done and their junior dragster team number one come away as the team champions at Bristol Dragway at the Eastern Conference Finals. So great performance by a lot of young racers and certainly Atlanta Dragway's full team number one. That is the way to close the facility, Big Jed. Yeah, yeah, that's how you wrap it up in style. That's how we Keep shut it going. down at the ATL. That's right. uh, I will just piggyback on on a couple of uh, of names that you mentioned. Actually, I'll just I'll focus on the gauges. Gauges are wild, right? Gage Wilson, <laughs> your fourteen year old champion. Uh, that is uh, Oklahoma racers know certainly. Um, it is Tim Wilson's son. Tim uh, noted um, bracket and and I think has transitioned into some. Uh, uh, some turbocharged stuff. I, I don't know what all Tim's into now, but he's a brilliant guy, excellent racer out of that area. Gage is his son. That's his second conference finals championship. I believe it's two. I believe the other one was a Western Conference Finals a couple years ago. So congrats to Gage. And also, you mentioned Gage Rackford. Um, this is his second Eastern Conference Finals championship. Uh, he did it in 2019, did it again in 2021. And he nearly or maybe essentially ran the table on the weekend i know that gage won the the big race leading up to the big race uh there's a, a five thousand dollar to win bracket race uh the week of the eastern conference finals in bristol leading up to the main event gage was victorious in that and then came back a few days later to win his age group in the conference finals so uh really impressive weekend for as you mentioned a really impressive young driver in gage rackford yeah, no doubt. Uh, great, uh, great info there on uh, on who some of these young people are, and uh, certainly look forward to talking about them more as the as the years move on and and these racers progress into what we do in our fun times, Luke. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little intimidated already. If, I mean, when I line up beside these kids that come out of junior racing and they're successful, you know, the Gage Birches and the KC Pesnails and the, you just know those kids are just loaded with talent and ability. And these 
going to be no different. So they're going to be, uh, they're going to be heck on us when they come on up, but I'm looking forward to the challenge. I've had my butt kicked enough by Austin Williams, Devin Eisenhower on down the line. Like it's not going to get any better for us, Jed. It's just <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, we've got a lot of different directions we could go with the rest of the show. We've got a lot of bracket racing action. We've got a little bit of NHRA action to cover. I want to start with NHRA Superstock because I think, Jed, at this point in the season, for the rest of the season, this is the class to watch. Like if you go, if you're gonna nerd out on points at all, nerd out on Superstock. Like here's why. We talked. Uh, a month or so ago about Greg Stanfield and the season that he is putting together in uh, Superstock from his Louisiana home and how awesome a story it is for Greg Stanfield to be gunning for what would be a fifth NHRA Superstock World Championship just 25 years removed from his fourth and oh by the way he won four (laughs) in five years back in the early 90s right Uh, and, and I would say at this point Stanfield is still the favorite slightly he's already amassed three wins on the division side all in division four he's only been to seven events total like you win three out of seven that's pretty impressive right but at this point jed not one not two not three but four serious contenders have emerged in addition to greg stanfield all four are former nhra world champions so they've all been there Obviously, they're all immensely talented. They're all putting together incredible seasons. So in addition to Mr. Stanfield, we got our boy Antoine, Anthony Bertozzi, who has lit it up recently, already has amassed two divisional wins and one national event win. Okay, So that's just as many wins as Stanfield has. Ricky Decker, former NHRA Superstock World Champion, has only been to six races, now has a national event win and a national event runner-up. Joe Santangelo who's only been to four events. Joe's obviously a former Stock Eliminator World Champion. Only been to four events this season. Has already been in two finals. He's got a win and a runner-up. And the other two, I think he went to fourth round, so he's carrying an 80-point average through those first four races, which is, if you carry an 80-point average, you're going to get it done at the end, right? Yeah, if you go to all of them. Yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) And if that weren't enough... Jody Lang, you are reigning NHRA Stock Eliminator World Champion. Now, Jody's obviously up in the Northwest. They have not got to do much racing up in his neck of the woods to this point in the season. To that point, as of this recording, Jody Lang has been to three events, all three Division Six Lucas Oil Series events. Jody Lang has not lost yet, Jed. Mm. Won, the, won the Seattle Divisional, went to the double at Woodburn, one day one, one day two, 15-0. and 0. Um, you, it's funny because the, the man that I attribute this quote to is one of the men that I just talked about, Anthony Bertozzi. But Anthony Bertozzi once told me did, that you can't win them all if you don't win the first one. Well, Jody Lang such a wise man. That's, it's, it's, it's a prophecy, right? <laughs> Jody Lang went and he won the first one. And then he won the second one. And then he won the third one. But you can't win them all if you don't win the first three. Jody Lang's got that checked off. I don't want to dismiss anybody else in Superstock. And Kent Hanley's having a big season. Brett Candies is having a big season. Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. is putting together a good season. One of those five that I just mentioned, just given their pedigree, given their talent, and given their start, one of those five is going to win the Superstock World Championship. And if you're laying odds, 
I don't know how you decipher between them because there are five really talented dudes that have been through the wars, have been through the battles, and I'm just sitting here as a spectator. Like I like to watch Wheelstand and Superstalkers to begin with. This is going to be a fun championship to follow through the rest of the year. Yeah, fun on our end for sure, Luke. This will be uh, enjoyable to watch play out with that much talent and, and certainly history uh, in the in the chase. But, you know, you think about Greg Stanfield, a, a guy that's raced at the highest of levels in NHRA competition, uh, having run the pro stocker for so many years. And he's 25 years removed from his last championship. He's having a dream season. He really is. I mean, the guy's incredible talent and, and getting great results, but you look, you, you look over your shoulder as you're, you're looking at the points and potential events coming up and you see that list behind you, you know, you're a, you're a championship racer. You've been through the grind and, and the travel and everything it takes to win an NHRA championship as you've done it a couple of times. What do you, what goes through your mind? Do you think, you know, yeah, it's been great, but I, I, I still have to have great performances or, you know, do you, do you think, I'm just going to take a lot of luck. What's going through your mind as you're looking over your shoulder and seeing a list of racers with these kind of accomplishments behind you? I don't know that I could speak to anybody else, Jed. Like I try to, the, the framework that I personally use for this is it's all about what I can put together. And I've got specific numbers. Like if you put up 650, 650 points, like you should win. So that's, that's my goal, right? You put up 650 and if that doesn't get it done, then so be it. And you tell yourself that and you, so you try not to pay too much attention to what anybody else is doing. But I'll just tell you too, if I'm Greg Stanfield, and again, I'm not, but I've put up like this massive early score and then I just happen to flip on Drag Race Central or flip open the pages of National Dragster and I see that the last four races, the winners in the class that I've been dominating are Anthony Bertozzi, Ricky Decker, Joe Santangelo, Jody Lang. My first thought is, shit, like, what do I got? You know, what? <laughs> why do these guys have to keep winning? You know what I mean? Now, my impression, and I don't know Greg Canfield, right? <laughs> you like that? Um, well, I mean, the Drag Champ show, they, they've announced today well, that they're done, sometimes, so somebody's got to take their place. Sometimes but. you just, you got to say what you're thinking, and that's exactly <laughs> what I'd be thinking, right? So, I mean, that that would not be no different than when, and he'll probably do it at the next race he goes to. Little John will win the next Super Gas race, and you know what I'll say? Shit, that's not the guy, right? <laughs> it, it, it's got to be the same thing oh, I Greg love Stanfield's thinking. So, uh, to that point, and, and I don't know Greg, and my impression just given his um, pedigree, his experience, the years of not only winning a championship in the sportsman classes, but transcending sportsman racing, racing in pro stock, having a very successful business, watching his son race, like my impression would be that Greg's taken all of this in stride and just whatever happens, happens. And I do know Anthony, and I can guarantee you that Anthony's taken all this in stride. And like the the pressure is oh, not going to phase either one of those guys, at least in my mind. There's another great Anthony Bertozzi line, right? He he had he'd once told me, "Hey man, you don't have to keep up with the points. Like if if you win, they'll call and let you know." And I could see <laughs> Anthony Bertozzi getting to the end of the year and be like, "Oh shit, I won. Cool. 
hell yeah let's, <laughs> let's go to california yeah party right like and just being completely oblivious to it i don't think anybody's actually like that but if anybody is it's him yeah re- really good point so again among those five like i don't think you can pick a favorite but it's just from a pure entertainment and spectator's perspective it's going to be awesome to watch I agree. You you don't have to nerd out on points to enjoy what's going to be taking place in the Superstock category in the, the weeks and a couple of two or three months to come. So this is going to be a blast to watch. On the bracket side, um, 10 G's at, at BG, that's the, the 10 Granders at Bowling Green. It was actually multiplied last weekend. It was a 10 G, 20 G, 10 G at Bowling Green, but they could have just lumped it all together and had one race and given it all to one guy, and that's basically what happened. Jesse Bobo almost ran the table at Bowling Green, Big Jed. Yeah, Bobo had a a tremendous, tremendous weekend in Bowling Green. Um, You know, Saturday's 20 grand, obviously won the Friday 10 grander, uh, got the win over Catfish, then Saturday comes in there, uh, he's uh, and the semis and I'm, I'm watching my man, Nick Ross and, you know, nothing against Dave Angeli or, or Jesse Bobo or any of them, but Nick Ross debuting his new car. And I'm thinking, man, it's just, it's destiny. Nick's going to win this thing. And Dave Angeli took him out in the semis and we all, you and I both know Dave well and know how difficult out he is and thought, well, heck Jesse won Friday. Is it possible to do it again? And, uh, yes, yes, it is. He got the 20 grander on Sunday as well, which a heck of a weekend there for him. Yeah, so Bobo wins the 10 Friday, wins the 20 Saturday. Uh, Ended up not completely running the table. The last 10 grander was won by Taylor Bowling in Lucas Walker's Mustang. But to put together that many rounds consecutively against that level of competition with that kind of money on the line, really impressive performance from Jesse Bobo. And I, it got me to thinking, like, because at one time, perhaps this was only important to me, but there was a time back before it was the 10 G's at, at BG, and when it was the 10 Tuck, the, and it's still like that event and that facility, I think, still has a an allure, a history, a prestige to it. But I know that in the 10 Tuck days, I believe that Steve Taylor won two of the three days once. We all know Steve Taylor, right? Bracket racing legend. Oh, yeah. Um there was a, another gentleman, I believe, I tried to look this up. I even got on the Wayback Machine. It seems like in the late 2000s, the October 10 Tuck one year was on top of the million. And I believe a gentleman from Michigan either swept the weekend or won two of the three days. There's a dragster from Michigan. I can't remember his name. I'm not even sure that he races anymore. And I thought, I'm going to do the research and find this. I didn't find it. Um, and then... Uh, I only, I guess I brought this up to toot my own horn. Like, I kind of won all three, but I didn't really. And it was a fun story. So it was 2004, I believe. The first 10 tuck of the year in March, I won Friday's race. I beat Scotty Richardson in the final. So I'll never forget that, right? And then it rained Saturday, and I won Sunday's 10 grander. Beat Scotty Richardson in the final again. So, like, that alone, that weekend probably made my career, right? Not only do you win two tens at Bowling Green, one of, at the time especially, the most prestigious race in the country, but I beat the guy that I'd looked up to all my life, you know, and is arguably, uh, I would say almost certainly, one of the two best racers of all time, if you ask the majority of us, in both finals. And, I, and so, awesome, right? And I, so I kind of swept the weekend, right, even though we didn't get to race Saturday. 
And then fast forward to the July race, they ran a fourth race, like it was Friday night into Saturday morning. That was the makeup from the March race, and I won it. So I swept the three days at Bowling Green. I yes, think I'm did. the only person to ever do it, but it, it just, like, it took me four months to pull it off. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely get on board with that. Uh, I'm going to take credit for it. That was a sweep in my mind, for sure. Uh, it, you know, really difficult doing. You talked about doing it in 2004, and you did it against Scotty Richardson. in 2004. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah. his, prime, his prime lasted a lot longer than most primes, if it's even over yet. But you uh, you beat him at a time where he was dominant in sportsman drag racing, bracket racing especially, and you it did was it in a comparable time where- to sneaking in a, a TKO on Mike Tyson in nineteen eighty five, right? <laughs> I wasn't I mean- totally it wasn't Buster Douglas like because <laughs> It's not like you were Buster Douglas. You were no Buster. Uh, and you did it at a time when those things were – it was a great crowd this weekend, but those things were heavily attended uh, back in those days. You you couldn't find races like that just every weekend like you can now. So they come from everywhere to, to race those 10 granders back in the day. So uh, you should be very proud of that. I'm, I'm calling it sweet. Well, obviously, I am very proud of that, Jed. I brought it up 17 years later. So I just looked for a reason to get to it. So, Jesse, great weekend. You got nothing on me. <laughs> um, and, I, and, I, and forgive me, because if somebody can get me the name, I think there was a man, like I say, either won two of the three or maybe swept all three late 2000s. If somebody can bring that up, I'd like to share that on the show at some point, too, because this is an incredible feat. Yeah, one of our listeners, find it. one of our hashtag loyal listeners come up with that hashtag loyal listeners all right let's let's click the dial another notch back to nhra this one i got some good stuff for you here jed i I, i'm pretty sure i I got trivia time for you and it's a good one i'm ready you know i love trivia yeah i know i put this on the dock a little bit earlier i hope you didn't i hope you didn't do any research no i you know i don't look at the show notes until i'm scrolling down the page while we're recording (laughs) that was my assumption but (laughs) you knew better now Mile High Nationals, last weekend, Denver, Colorado, Kayla Mozeris, Joe Mozeris, become the second father-daughter in NHRA history to double at a national event. Kayla was the winner in Superstock. Joe Mozeris, who I believe was the number three finisher last year in the nation in Competition Eliminator, was the winner in Comp. So all Mozeris family picture in the winner's circle. It doesn't get any better than that. They are, Jed, just the second father-daughter duo to double in national event competition. The first is gettable, but I admit a little tricky. Any guesses? Oh, uh, well, you're talking about sportsman racing. No, no, no. This, this is not limited to sportsman racing, and I may have just given it away, but the other is not a sportsman racing duo. Uh, yeah, so it's got to be force. Okay, yes. Yeah. Okay. I need name. I need first names. Obviously, John and... Oh, it was uh, John Force and because uh, uh, Brittany's the only other one, the only one that ran a different category, so it has to be Brittany. Oh, you were on the right track. It was Ashley, I believe, when she was running Alcohol Dragster? Oh, you got to be kidding me. There's no, no way I missed that. Look... 
you had it you had it lined up and and you even thought about it logically like i'm impressed <laughs> yeah. i didn't even realize ashley ran a, a dragster now i believe she got her start in top alcohol dragster and and i believe that that's the only other i need to get confirmation i need to get actual like years in classes i didn't dive that deep but pretty sure that it's john and ashley uh of notable so this has only happened twice right it almost happened twice in within the span of three national events if you'll remember iggy boyshesko and his daughter amanda almost pulled this off at epping new hampshire less than a month ago amanda won supercomp she is the reigning division one champion in supercomp iggy was in the final of super gas opposite john laboose jr uh they were relatively even on the tree and iggy's car broke in the final so who knows who how that would have turned out um, again, they finished win and runner-up, which is still a very special day within the family. But I thought it was interesting that this has only happened twice now in history, and it nearly happened twice in 30 days. Yeah, very interesting, and um, you know, it just goes shows to goes to show. Sorry, how well there's limited opportunities, obviously, with father and daughter, and then how difficult a task or a feat that is. Um, so, those that have done it have accomplished something truly special. Yeah, my only other good guess there, besides the the three father-daughter combos that we mentioned, and and I guess John Force and his other daughters, my only other good guess was Brad and Shelley Anderson. But to the best that my crack staff, which is Kevin McKenna and Austin Williams and myself, the best that we could muster, that's it, it's never been done by anyone except John and Ashley Force, and now Joe and Kayla Moderas. That's to them. Bonus trivia time for you, Big Jed. I'm gonna crush this. In addition to the two father-daughter combos that have won national events on the same day, there, at least to our research, have been six father-son combos to accomplish the same feat. I will be impressed if you can name three of them. Okay, so I'm not going to be good at figuring out which of the, the first names, but I'm going to say there's been Cummings that's done it. Oh, uh, no, but that's a good guess. Oh, man, I'm just, I, I, my mind's blown. I'm just, I'm, I'm just a mess right now. Um, I was going to say the Cummings. I was going to say the Emmons. Also a good guess, but I think that Papa Emmons' racing career kind of took a back seat when the, when the, when the triplets and, and Harvey the Third got to racing. I don't believe they've done it either. You know what, Luke? I'm already tired of this trivia. Just give me one. Still, <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> okay, there, there's a, a couple of these that I, that I guess they're all gettable, but I did not. I, I think I listed three of them on first crack. But there's a couple of them. When I read them, you're gonna kind of kick yourself because they are some of the, some of the biggest names and most recognizable family names in sportsman racing i'll give you that clue okay okay so before okay. i before i spill it does that does that trigger anything for you well no <laughs> <laughs> not at all okay okay <laughs> sam and peter biondo oh my gosh yes english town 2002 i'm embarrassed kenny and brandon bernstein did it twice. Oh my goodness. The Kings, I guess this would be the King and the Prince of the Father Son Double. 
Ray and Dave Connolly done it three times. Wow. Yeah, once I believe on Father's Day at Bristol. I remember that one. Pretty cool stuff, right? Uh, the Fletchers, 2009 at Reading. That was Dan and Thomas, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been Timbo, but I think that was Dan and Thomas. Big E, Edmund, and Ryan Richardson, 2014 at Atlanta. And Matt and Ricky Smith. I, believe, I said uh, Dave and Ray were the, the king and the prince. I believe that Matt and Ricky have also done it three times to date. Pro Mod and Pro Stock Bike, presumably all three times. Wow. Oh, hold on. How many did I name? I might have told you wrong. That's one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, there's actually seven. The seventh being Jeff and Cody Lane, 2016 Seattle. Oh, wow. Relatively certain that that's a comprehensive list. If I missed one, apologies. Loyal listeners, let us know. I think those are the seven. They've accumulated for, I don't know, 13 or so doubles, father-son doubles, but I think that those are the only seven families to pull it off. Very impressive list, and what an embarrassment I am to to be a co-host of a Sportsman <laughs> Drag Racing podcast, and I couldn't even get a single one of those right. That's, uh, you should, you know what, Luke? You should give me... A week off with no pay. <laughs> Which would be different than the weeks on with no pay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you perfected the week on with no pay. I think you should punish me severely and, and make me stay away from the podcast for a full week with no pay. Teach punish me a down me. lesson, what you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> get your stuff together. No podcast this week. Go on vacation. I'm going to get better at this, or I'm going to be turned loose. <laughs> All right, let's turn the dial back to bracket racing. Big Ched, this is a guy that we talk about seemingly every other week, but it's because he does something worth talking about at least every other week. Nasty Nick Hastings. Nasty Nick just keeps ticking, Big Jed. It's It's... It's, it's incredible. I'm running out of superlatives. I'm sick of this guy, Luke. <laughs> I can I tell. Mean, I, I'm just coming out on the podcast. I'm just getting it all out of my system right now. I'm, I'm sick of nasty Nick Hastings and all the wind lights that he turns on. And, uh, you know, he just, everything he does turns to gold. And, you know, I'm kind of over it. I mean, I, as quick. much as I like Nick, like he's a really good guy. Like, I, I, I don't want him to win anymore. I'm done. No, that's not true. I can't even say that. I can't even say that yeah, with a straight face. It didn't feel right. I'll take it no. all back. Yeah, I love you, Nick. You know, I've learned if you if you just take it all back real quick, no matter what you say, it's okay, and and people can get over it. So, Nick, <laughs> Nick if you're hearing this, I take it all back. Uh, He's not hearing and, this. And, uh, and uh, you know, to, to, to even go farther, this no good, sorry, low down racer sent me a text after the WFC and said, Hey, he's looking at my tab and I think, Oh, you guys a hundred dollars. I think somehow that you didn't charge me enough. And I'm like, what Who a piece this? of crap. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to text me and tell me you owe us a hundred dollars. <laughs> so just, uh, you know, what else can you say about Nick? Look, he's phenomenal. He's a, he's a, just a, a wonderful young man, a humble guy, 
goes to Quaker City where he had a tremendous showing at this very race last year. I think he and Michael Beard just clean house last year. That's right. Yeah. He, he goes back to the scene of the crime at Quaker City, does uphill burnouts in that Pontiac T-1000 and, and gets two 5Ks in a 10K. Uh, I mean, truly. That's a clean sweep. He won up Jesse Bobo. He got them all. He did get them all, and he was swapping feet uh, at a no-box race. So that gets extra credit. No offense, Jesse Bobo, but that, that takes a special man right there. So, uh, Nick, just another phenomenal job. And, you know, then he goes. Luke, yeah, that was North. two weeks ago. If that wasn't enough, he goes to what I think was just like a regular weekend event at Norwalk, back back to the old stomping grounds, and uh, enters two classes, wins them both. Yeah, followed it up with a double at Norwalk, um, you know, and, and this, again, swapping feet in a world full of trans breaks, which, you know, you can say, yeah, it's all equal. They're all even on the bottom. I feel like the trans break, the good trans break racers, their package is generally going to be seven to 10 thou better on average than your good foot breakers, but Nick is obviously a little something extraordinary and special, and he has the ability to match whatever even the great no-box racers can lay down. So just another wonderful job by him, Luke. And, you know, we're, we're out of things to say, jokingly saying we're sick of it, but doggone, what else can you say about the guy? No, I, I'm seriously, I'm running out of superlatives, so I guess we'll just change the subject, but my goodness, it's, uh, I mean, if you had a ballpark, I don't even think there's a way to keep up with it. Uh, has Hastings won a dozen races this season? Fifteen? Like, it well, seems like, I mean, that's hell, five right there in the last two hell, weeks. Yeah, there was five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to say a dozen easy. And not, I mean, the five grander is probably the, the the chump change of all of them, right? Yeah, he didn't win my $800 foot brake class at my local track. Yeah, he, he's winning real deals. Yeah, I mean, obviously he does that too, but yeah. Um, all right, so how about this, Big Jed? A young man by the name of Cody Lane, who we just mentioned, he was one of the, one half of, a, of one of the, what, seven father-son doubles with his father, Jeff. Cody Lane resides in Seattle, Washington, Big Jed. I don't know how familiar the listener is with the seven geographic divisions of the NHRA, but know this. Seattle, Washington is nowhere near NHRA Division 4. Where's Division 4, Big Jed? Division 4, yeah, that's uh, that's in the, the heart of the Southwest. That is Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, I guess New Mexico is technically in Division Four, but I don't, there's no racetracks in New Mexico, are there? Cody I Lane, imagine why, but from Seattle, Washington, is in really good shape to earn what will be the most lucrative division championship in history. Cody Lane from Seattle, Washington, claimed Division Four this season. You go, why would someone from Seattle, Washington claim Division Four this season? If you're asking that, you haven't paid attention. We've talked about this a few times on the podcast. Roger Brogdon and the folks at Rooftech have put together a $250,000 bonus for Division Four racers this season. I did not stutter. $250,000. That's a quarter million dollar bonus for Division Four. Highlighted by Competition Eliminator. It's fifty grand 
to win the Competition Eliminator Division 4 Championship. And it pays back like 10 spots. Like all of those comp guys in Division 4 are getting paid, right? But the winner is getting paid the most $50,000 to win the Division Championship. That Which, Luke, I, I would have to assume is somewhere equivalent to maybe three to four national event wins. Oh, it's that, more than that nowadays. Okay. Yeah. So it's probably I, 10 I would, grand per win. Let's look. I'll tell you this much. When, and, and, Obviously, everyone's contingency postings can vary based on the, the parts that you have on your car, right? When I won my first national event in Atlanta in 2008, I won over $18,000. When I won my most recent national event in Atlanta in 2021, if everybody that I checked the little box for that I have stickers on my car pays me and all of that money comes in, I will win $8,500. Wow. Yes. Less than half. So the $50,000 division championship is the equivalent of like six national event wins. <laughs> and it, wow. I mean, competition eliminator is not a an affordable or certainly not a cheap class to run. Hmm. So 50 grand to those guys probably isn't like 50 grand to us but it's still 50 grand right and it is completely unprecedented i mean the the champions in every other division get like 1500 bucks the champions of division four get that 1500 bucks plus 50 grand from roof tech so that is the reasoning behind cody lane and his family making the trek multiple times to multiple division four events right but he's going to make it pay off. He is in very good shape to, again, win by far the most lucrative division title in history. He made the trip to Dallas for the double. He won the second leg of that. He went deep at Tulsa. Then he returned, we'll call it home, even though obviously this season his home division is Division Four. He went to the double at Woodburn and won both legs of it. So he is now, that counts towards his Division 4 points total because you can claim a couple of outer division races. He is now running away with Division 4. He still has a couple of races left to claim. The way that they do the points, the way that they do the Roof Tech bonus, one of those two races has to come at the last Division 4 event in Noble, Oklahoma. I'm pretty confident that Cody and his family are going to find a way to make that one. <laughs> and yeah. he's more or less going to lock up this Division 4 championship from, what, 2,000 miles away and earn this lucrative prize. It's not over, um, but he looks really, really good. Greg Camplain is sitting in second. He and a host of others could still contend, but they would need to get really, really hot. It's looking like Cody Lane is going to take this trophy and this pile of roof tech money all the way back to Washington. Yeah, that has to be, I mean the chance you take the the risk that you're willing to take and the added expense that you will have making those trips to division four to compete for that purse and you know again as you said comp eliminator is not a uh, it, there's no way to profit in that category this gets a little closer to that but it's not going to be a profit so i think it's really just about winning such a, a lucrative prize and you know i'm sure 50 grand comes in handy no matter how much money you got but i would assume I, yeah i think it's about the profile and just showing that i'm gonna go to this hotbed and and compete for this unheard of prize money in our category and and i'm gonna do it from like you said you know 
1,800, 2,000 miles away, whatever he is. Uh, just really incredible story all the way around. And, you know, it's got to it's got to feel really cool to accomplish the goal when there had to be people in, in Cody's circle saying, and you're crazy. I mean, you, what are you doing? You can't you can't do that. And not only can he, he did, and he's going to, to claim the prize. So that's a very cool story. Now, we said early in the season when all of this was announced that there would be two standouts in competition eliminator this season. There would be the national champion and there would be the division four champion. And it's not likely to be the same person just because division four is a bloodbath for this very reason. You have people from all over the country converging on that one division trying to claim that that prize. And I think you could very easily make the argument that the division four champion is the baddest comp eliminator racer in the country this season, whether or not they end up winning the national championship, which again, I don't think is likely just because there's got to be some, they got to beat each other up, right? Um, with that said, the national championship in comp, and I know we don't typically spend a lot of time on competition eliminator, Jed, but second only to Superstock that we talked about earlier, the comp race is really, really intriguing, not only in Division 4, but on the national level as well, specifically after this past weekend, Big Jed, where our boy, Pete Dagnolo, has taken over the driver's seat. He went to Columbus for the JEG Sports Nationals, which is followed by a Division 3 event, and he ran the table. Pete Dagnolo wins both of those races, and I got to pat myself on the back a little bit here, Jed. If you'll recall in our season preview show, which actually I don't did we I don't think we did that one together. That might have been me and and McKenna or me and Milliken. I don't remember. But yes, it wasn't us. The challenge was pick someone not named Frank Aragona or Craig Bourgeois that you think could challenge for the NHRA Competition Eliminator Championship. And I went out on a, a little bit of a limb and said Pete Dagnolo reigning NHRA Division One champion. He's making me look like a prophet, Big Jed. Yeah, I would say he is. That's a solid, solid pick. And, uh, uh, you know, I think that was even – that might have been a, a bold prediction, if you will, Luke, because – It uh, felt I, like it at the time. I mean, yeah, we I'm know sure Pete Dagnolo and, and what he's capable of, right? But I, the competition eliminator world, like I'm not, I'm not sure that he was completely on that scene yet, right? Yeah, I'm not sure he would have been considered a front runner, although very talented. Uh, but you know, we know how talented Brad Plourd is too. Competition eliminator is a, is has some unique challenges within <laughs> that class, and you know, it's it, being a great driver is just half of it, and. Pete's been able to put all of those pieces together. So a uh, very, very solid pick for sure on your part. I just It's a show of me patting myself on the back. I'm digging this. So <laughs> <laughs> Pete Tagnolo now has amassed four wins this season in competition limiter. Plus, he won a national event in Superstock as well. His four wins in comp, the last three have come in a row. Uh, Norwalk, Columbus, Columbus. I think Pete likes the state of Ohio, too. Um, he is the front runner right now. It looks good. Um, obviously, it's early. I will say Pete's national event tally is not great. It's bolstered, obviously, tremendously by winning the Sports Nationals of Columbus. He has little margin for error left on the national side. He has two left. They really both need to be good for him to put up a score that would typically win the title, but the opportunity is there. Greg Camplain sits second. Those two have really separated themselves from the field at this point. Um, Camplain has two wins and two runner-ups. Um, kind of the opposite of Pete Dagnolo. 
Greg Camplain has little margin for error on the divisional side. He's already got a couple of early losses in division that he needs to, to be able to throw away. Um, so like I said, those two have kind of distanced themselves from the field. But uh, we talked about Cody Lane earlier. Everything that he has done thus far has been on the divisional side. He's not yet run a national event, which on the West Coast, there hardly hasn't been an opportunity to run a national event yet, but the tour is coming to him. They're in Sonoma this weekend, Pomona coming up, uh, so Cody's going to get at least a couple of national events. We'll see where that lands him. Richard Prezer's had a good start. The aforementioned Joe Mozeris has had a good start, and while they're not really on the radar yet, I just I don't think that you can have this discussion and not mention Frank Aragona, Bruno Massel Jr., Typically, Craig Bourgeois, but Craig's been to a bunch of races and has struggled so far this year, so he doesn't look to be a championship contender. But I don't, I don't think you can talk about potential comp world champions and not mention the name Frank Aragon. Like he's lingering, could make a run. Yeah, Frank always seems to be in the middle of it one way or another, and you know I'm sure he will make his presence felt, whether he is. Uh, competing for the championship himself or eliminating someone that is uh, in the thick of the hunt. So Frank will be a factor one way or another. One last event that I wanted to touch on, A, because this was a big enough event, both in terms of purse and prestige to warrant our attention, but B, from kind of a personal standpoint and, and like kind of a throwback standpoint, it feels really good to see a marquee event that we're talking about back at Atco Dragway in Atco, New Jersey. Just because I, I throw it back to, to my heyday, so to speak, like the Tom Stalba's race at Atco was a yearly staple. Like that was my reason to go up into the Northeast and it was fun and it was at the time quarter mile and all of the best of the best converged on Atco. Like it was, it was sort of the Northeast version of the Winter Series just because we got all the best of the best all there in one spot, right? And it was and it was a ton of fun uh, at a great facility. And uh, it felt like the Jim Harrington Memorial Classic brought that back. Like the pictures, the social media posts, it looked like that same crowd for the most part converging on Atco, you know, what's this now, 15, 20 years later. It was just cool to see it brought back a lot of memories. Yes, it was very cool to see it, Luke, uh, especially the, the namesake of the race, uh, you know, ADCO is a place that the, the late, great Jim Harrington spent a lot of time and, and made a lot of laps, a lot of successful laps. So cool to see uh, that race make its way to ADCO. The circumstances were not so cool. Uh, this race is traditionally held at Cecil County, uh, Maryland, and they were, I guess, redoing the surface there at Cecil County and just ran into some snags and the, the track was not going to be ready. The event was basically postponed. And then, I don't know, seemingly hours later, I guess someone at ADCO reached out or, or maybe uh, Fetch and JP reached out to ADCO, but whatever the case was, um, it was revived quickly and brought to the legendary facility there in uh, New Jersey, and it was it was I don't know. It just seemed like a perfect match. Luke. I, I, they they're saying the next event that's on the schedule will be at Cecil County as uh, planned and as tradition has been. But I don't know. It was really cool, and to me, um, it seemed like everybody there just 
knew they was part of something special and really enjoyed it. And I hope that that leads the folks at ATCO or, or maybe some promoters up that way to, to look at putting some more events there at that facility. Cause I've raced there one time myself and it was just a one day thing for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's a really cool place. It is, it does have some age on it. It, it does have some history there, but you know, rarely do you have a, a place where you can go in, sit down and eat and, and enjoy a, a, you know, a beverage or um, food at the bar or whatever, what have you right there in the pits and enjoy some drag racing too. So uh, pretty cool place. Um, I got to see when I was there, you know, I was like, wow, that's so-and-so and this is so-and-so. And I've heard a lot about them. You know, those guys, it's hard to travel a whole lot from there. So those people typically stay in that region. But there's a, there's a lot of great racers in that part of the country, and ATCO is a place that um, they all like to race for obvious reasons, and it was good to see that they were able to take the, the Jim Harrington Memorial there. I'm dating myself a little bit because it's been a solid decade plus since I've been to ATCO, but it did have a bar with like full-screen TVs showing the racetrack, so you didn't have to sit in the stands, right? You would watch the racing in the yes. bar awesome uh, had a speed shop which was way ahead of its time at, yes. at that time and uh, the only thing i didn't like is you can't turn left to get there like left turns are not a thing in the state of new jersey they have these things called jug handles you turn right to go left it confused the hell out of me still confuses me but beyond that echo awesome place to race uh, you've uh, you've been around me for many years and you've heard a lot of my stories you can turn left at the wawa to go to uh, Atco uh, racetrack, Atco's racetrack, and um, you know you can turn left right in the middle of the road and do a 180 and go right back where you were coming from to the Wawa if uh, if lightning strikes you right in the guts and you got to get somewhere in a hurry. So I am living proof of that, my friend. No, uh, no problem defying the laws of New Jersey traffic, huh? No, no. Luckily, it was midnight or one o'clock in the morning, and you know none of that really mattered. But uh, I was um, I was really oblivious to what the laws were, nor did I give a, a rat's behind because uh, I had some business I had to handle. I don't know how much deeper down this hole I want to go. I will say this: Jamie Shirocco showed out at the Jim Harrington Memorial Classic. Big Jet, Jamie Shirocco, uh king of atco for the weekend at least yeah i mean obviously performed extremely well did not get the the biggest prize that they had uh available but True. uh doggone a, a quarterfinal in friday's 20k uh where zach byron got that twenty thousand dollar check by the way a semi-final in saturday's uh biggest race which was the 50k uh, that race was won by Joey Harrison, my man, Joey, great to see him get that win and, uh, the blazer that he hasn't had very long, cool little wheel standing blazer, two door job, just a really nice looking little, little race car. And, uh, Joey took that thing to the final round, got the win. So good job, Joey. That was really awesome to see. And then uh, Sirocco, you know, after a quarterfinal and semifinal, and those two, he just said, you know what, I'm tired of going out quote unquote early so he got the win in sunday's 20k luke um when you reflect back on that weekend you, you got to be feeling really good about what you accomplished especially jamie sirocco uh you know guy that wins his share but uh, that's a really big deal to go out and perform on that stage like that 
I thought it was really impressive for a multitude of reasons, but I think what sticks out to me is it's one thing, Jed, to climb to the summit on day one and then just kind of ride that wave. But you go deep on day one, you kind of get that punch in the gut with a quarterfinal loss. You pull it all together and you go deep again in day two, in the 50, and you get that punch in the gut with a semifinal loss. I think it's really rare after that to come back with that fire in the belly, that mental and physical stamina, to go do it for a third day and and reach the peak. Like It seems like when you see dominant weekends, they don't often go in that progression. Usually you start at the top and just kind of progressively go a little bit down. For Scirocco to come back after a quarterfinal, after a semifinal, and then get the triumph on the last day, I, I just thought was notable. And I did, I, I was actually looking through our notes here, I called Jamie Scirocco the, the king of Atco, and I guess you could hold that crown for the weekend. Uh, I guess Peter Viando is the king of Englishtown, but like Pete's the king of the Northeast. I can't give that crown to anybody else, and, and that was once again on display. Peter Viando, out of semi-retirement, uh, just, oh, by the way, wins the $12,000 gambler's race as part of the festivities at ACO over the weekend. So pretty impressive show, as we've come to expect for the last, what, three decades from Pete. Yeah, and Luke, um, you know, not to toot Pete's horn any more than, than it's been done by us and many others, but all of the, the racers from the, the eight-year-olds to everybody else that we've listed that, that had good weekends and performed well, every one of those racers, I will guarantee you, makes a minimum of four times the laps that Peter makes in a season, and some of them probably a hundred times the laps that he makes in a season. So it just, I mean, the guy just wins. It doesn't matter how much practice or seat time he's had or that has not had. He just goes out and performs and wins when he gets opportunities and just shows again, I mean, at 50 years old, why he's one of the best, if not the best to ever live. Now, we've had this discussion before. Like, it, it gives me hope that in, in our twilight, perhaps we could summon some of that. I don't know that that's fair because there is only one Peter Biondo, but it is ridiculously impressive to watch someone like that that just can seemingly flip the switch and turn it all back on. I mean, from I, I know he's raced the last two weekends, but after basically like six months to a year away, you know what I mean? I mean, he might have made 10 runs this year up to the last couple of weekends. And to just, he goes and wins a, wins it in the media and wins it at Co. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Well said and great job, Sneaky Pete. Heck of a job by you. Good stuff. I, I, that's all the notes I got, Jed. Is that the show? You got anything else? Luke, I think that wraps us up. I think uh, we we had a really good show, and um, you know, I'm uh, I, I guess this is a time to let everyone know that you are uh, you are going to give me a week off. Um, we, we both get a week off. How gonna, about our punish yourself our, as well? How about our vacation plans? Yeah, we're we're both going to <laughs> beautiful Orange Beach, Alabama. Uh, we're vacationing together unbeknownst to, to either of us. We just we, didn't realize. <laughs> you know, until we had the discussion. And when I found out that you were going to Orange Beach, when I was going to Orange Beach, I thought, oh, hell, Luke's going to want to get together and do a show. You know, he's... Absolutely you know, not. He's going to want me to pile up in his condo or something and, and let's do a, you know, 
podcast about sportsman drag racing. But, Do you but, think we could pull it off if we had to look at each other? Well, we've done it before, and it was awkward. I, I oh, yeah, that's we, right. We did it at Bristol. That's right. Yeah, and I think I set up like a little garbage can or something between You us did, right yes. Because I couldn't look at you while I did it. It just didn't feel right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I've got this picture of you in my head and, and you where you are and your setting right now, and, and in, nothing can disrupt that. Nothing can change the view that I have of you in my head right now. So I think uh, I think we pulled that off, but uh, I wouldn't want to chance it again, Luke. So. But seriously, we, what are the odds? We both plan family vacations completely independently, completely unbeknownst to one another, and uh, whatever, we're scheduling the, the, the podcast when we're going to get together to record, and you're like, oh, I'm going on vacation that week. I'm like, oh, really? That's perfect. I'm going on vacation that week. Where are you going? Orange Beach. <laughs> really? I'm going to Orange Beach. And we literally get there and leave on the same day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it just shows how, how in sync we are. <laughs> it, is, it shows it's, the synergy <laughs> that, that you and I have, Luke. <laughs> That's why Pretty this shows the longest lasting damn sportsman drag racing podcast That's it, man. in the history of sportsman drag racing podcast. The long history of sportsman drag racing podcast. Yes. We've outlasted both of the other ones. Yeah. You know, we started it. It's I true. Mean, let's, let's just Kinda. call a spade a spade. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. This was us. <laughs> this is Tr- us. Trendsetters. What you talking about? Will? Pioneers, if you will. <laughs> I'm using, I'm using words. I have no idea what they are or where they fit. So I'm just oh, going to stop all This is such a, a self-aggrandizing podcast. I don't think we've ever done one like this before. We're awesome, Jed. See, you lost me there with self-aggrandizing. <laughs> I had no uh, grand and self I'm pretty good with, but the rest of that didn't seem to fit. Boastful. Boastful. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Braggadocious is what, this, what, there you that's go. what it is in my world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Luke. Great show, uh, guys. We will be off next week. Um, uh, I don't, Luke. I don't guess there's any plans. It'll just be silent airwaves. Looking that way, yeah. Yeah, we we were we're maybe trying to plan something, but it, it hasn't uh, come completely together yet. So yeah, we just be uh, might silent. have a surprise for you, but let's say I, uh, well, let's give it a fourteen percent chance. We'll have a surprise for you next week. If not, we'll see you in two weeks. You know your percent chance little deal there. Just kind of mm-hmm. uh, like that, that, that that's in? a great tie. It's so, fitting. Yes. Yeah, really good stuff. But <laughs> nonetheless, uh, guys, we'll we'll probably be silent next week. But at least keep your eye on your podcast app and see if it shows uh, a new one popping up. But that does it for this one. Uh, really good show. Had a lot of fun. Uh, definitely hated the way that we had to start the show and we will end it uh, similarly um you know definitely thoughts and prayers out to the crick four and cousins families uh tremendous losses within those families and you know the even the the hurt that we all feel uh could not even come close to what it is if you shared a, a home or a last name with those individuals so we, we lift up uh, the families and, and close friends that are impacted by those losses and we'll certainly uh, have you in our thoughts and prayers that does it for us um you know luke and i love to hear from you there on the sportsman drag racing podcast facebook page uh tell us you know if we asked a question that you got the answer to reach out there to us on the, the page and let us know and put it out there for the world to see. Uh, we, we love it when you guys post public messages and any private messages, producer Mark catches and, and tries to send our way. So um, make sure you reach out to us. Tell us what we did right, what we did wrong, what you loved, what you hated. Uh, we want to hear about it any way that you want to deliver it. Luke, it is shout time. It is shout time. We're going to shout out left turns in the state of New Jersey. We're going to shout out Ava 
Smith, and Ward. We're going to shout out Gage, Rackford, and Wilson. We're going to shout out Avas and Gages everywhere. Avas are wild. Gages are wild. Shouts to all those guys. I'm going to shout Nick Hastings and his honesty. Get over that $100, Nick. Yes. Impressive. Please. Shouts to Trivia Time and your uh, dominance mm. of Trivia Time. Yeah, okay, we'll mm. go there. Shouts to Corresponding Vacations. Oh, love it. And shouts to the Corner Wawa. Yeah, yeah, they were sure shouting when I left, so it was good <laughs> to shout back out at them. <laughs> Speaking of Wawa's, like, were Wawa's a thing in your life prior to going to Atco or somewhere in the Northeast? Uh, no, like here, that's like a, a, a shell or a sit-go or a Circle K or something. It's, uh, no, it's not. It's the damn gas station. Yeah, no, that's I've never what heard we of call it. it everywhere else in the country. Oh yeah, yeah. Unless you're in Center Alabama and uh, it's the pump house. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. Yeah, well, but most places gas station. Yeah. I think I go to to Reading maybe, and I think it was Spanky Chris Wilson. He's like, all right, I'll meet you at the Wawa in the morning. I'm like, what? what you're gonna meet me where? It's a gas station. It's I mean, it's a it's like a what are the, what's the things they got in Texas? The um, the the Walmart gas stations. Yeah, like the Murphy or. or no, no, they're the 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 Beaver. The, oh no! I don't, yeah. I anyway, like that's the Taj Mahal, but the 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 Wawa was like the next best thing that I've ever seen to that. Like they're a they're a superstore, right? Are you and talking about Bucky's? Bucky's, yes. Yeah. 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 Okay, so Bucky's is unparalleled, but the 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 the, the cult following around the Wawa was probably the damnedest thing I'd ever seen. That is now second only to the Bucky's. Yeah, I uh, I don't know much Wawa history, but I've got I some there, and uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure my picture's on the wall at that one you turn left at to go to Atco. You don't and, turn left there, Jet. Well, I did, <laughs> and then I turned left again as soon as the parking lot lights got out of my peripheral vision. I just, <laughs> oh my goodness, I spun around. I told Stone Cold, I was like, "They're going to make us buy this rental car." I mean, it, what I'm about to do in it. They're not even going to give us a cleanup fee. They're just going to look at it and go, here you go, boys. This car is $21,378. Uh, we need payment right now because uh, there's no cleaning this up. So, yeah. Uh, but luckily, I made it. Um, nonetheless, uh, that does it for us. We're done. Um, we uh, we uh, love to hear from you on the Twitter. If you like to tweet and, um, you know, if you follow me, you know I'm a big I'm a big tweeter. I get. I do at least one every three or four months, and uh, so you know, I'm trying to keep people entertained. So if you like to tweet, tweet us, reach out to us, tag us, whatever you do. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We appreciate you tuning in. It's been a fun show. We're off next week. Just enjoy the silence because when we get back from vacation. We're going to go nuts and talk to you about more sportsman drag racing. Until then, have a great week, guys. See you on the beach, Jed. Yeah, I'm getting this body tuned up, son. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm all I'm manscaped, and I am ready. I got Speedo Pack, baby. I will see you there, my friend. Okay, I'll see you at the restaurant, Jed. I'll be the, I'll be the one with all the chicks hanging around him. <laughs> Should be easy to find, bro. <laughs>
I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. Um, That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. If you know, then you know It's those long nights Early mornings Rolling down these old back roads Working all week Trying to turn this Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.